Welcome to the Christ Community Church Podcast. I am Ryan Balby, the interim teaching pastor here at Christ Community. I'm Blake Cox, and I'm the high school pastor here. And we are going to be diving deeper into Sunday sermon. That was from Sunday, March 5th uh, in our series, In the Beginning, where we were talking about the beginning of God's people, diving into Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 9. So we wrapped up the In the Beginning series with this message on Sunday. Yeah. How'd you feel about this series? I like it. I wish we could have spent more time on it, to be honest. But I think that when you start diving into Genesis and even just in these first 12 chapters. I mean, we didn't even cover all of the first 12 chapters. Uh, We covered a lot of it over eight weeks. But I think really, you know, there were some passages where it's like, oh, that could have been three or four messages in in one. You know, we covered three, four chapters of the Noah story in, in a single week. That could have been longer. And I'd like to keep going. I just think there's so much richness and depth in the book of Genesis. So it was, it was fun. I enjoyed it. And hopefully it was a blessing to everyone else. And, um, maybe one day we'll pick up and cover the last 30 something, 20 something chapters, whatever it is. Yeah. I think it's so necessary, especially for Christians to, uh, teach out of the old Testament, understand the story of the old Testament. I think oftentimes, uh, we can kind of check out go, Oh, this is old covenant. We don't have to worry about this anymore. We're all about new covenant now, but how important is the old Testament story when it comes to the new Testament story? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's critical in our understanding. Like if we don't understand the old Testament, we're probably not really going to understand who Jesus is and what he did, what he's all about. I mean, Jesus himself constantly points back to the old Testament. I mean, the, the new Testament writers constantly point back to the old Testament. They all had a good understanding of it and the original readers would have had a good understanding of it. So to understand really who God is sin, our place in history. I mean, we have to understand the old Testament in order to properly understand the new. Now, if you're a new believer and you want a place to start, I'm not necessarily going to point you to Genesis. I'm probably going to point you to a gospel and then you'll work your way. Yeah. I mean, Leviticus should be the first book that you read clearly. Um, but yeah, I mean, but there's, there's, there's depth and richness. I mean, there's a reason why we see in Timothy that it says all scripture is God breathed and is useful for, you know, teaching, rebuking, correcting, training and righteous righteousness. Yeah. So it's, it's important. It matters. Yeah, it's good. And so we're looking at the story of Abraham today. Um, and he did have many sons and many sons had father Abraham. Yeah. Um, I didn't, I didn't know that last part. I am one of them. And so are you. So let's all praise the Lord. I did not know that. Well, you didn't, you didn't grow up in church. That's true. So you you came to church later in life and that's why you kind of missed out on the, the joy of singing father Abraham (laughs) and doing all the motions. I knew the beginning. Did you know there were motions? (laughs) You say, let's all praise the Lord. And then you say right arm and then you start doing the right arm and then you sing it again. And then you left arm and then like right foot and left foot. And then you bob your head and you jump up and down sometimes. It was, oh, it's great. It's, it's a blast, man. We were rocking out in, uh, in second grade. Okay. I'm like, maybe as a kid, I don't know. Maybe yeah. as an adult. No, it's not. You're not doing it like in adult church. I think we should do it this Sunday. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we'll, we'll tell our worship leaders. We'll have it. We'll have it done in, in the service. We'll get everyone up standing and, and dancing and moving around. That okay. way for all of us who didn't grow up in the church. Yeah, you can experience we it. We can experience it. We should just have a whole day where we just do old Stop. like 90s kids church songs. <laughs> all right, let's get back to it. Why is the story of Abraham so important? Because it's in the Bible. <laughs> uh, no, really, like it's it's. Man, it is it is super significant. You you look at Abraham and you do look at him as the father of the nation of Israel. Israel would have looked at him as their father, so they would have had a a very high value for Abraham. So as Moses is writing this, he obviously wants to remind them of who Abraham is, but more importantly, 
who God is in the story of Abraham. Uh, but the reality is, as we start in chapter 12, and you look at the covenant really affirmed in chapter 15, and you keep going through Abraham's story, and you look at Isaac, and you look at Jacob, I mean, so much of our understanding of, of scripture, of God, is based on what happens with Abraham. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk about this in a minute, but, you know, I mean, obviously him being the, he produces the family line that leads to Christ. So there's significance right there because the, the blessing in verse three says, you'll be a blessing to others says, you know, all nations will be blessed through you. Your offspring is going to be a blessing. So there's, there's significance to that because we know that like he was promised to be the, the family line that would produce the Messiah, the savior. So there's some significance and I'll get a little bit more into that too. But there's also some some theology and some some differences in the way Orthodox Christians, so this is not a salvation issue, but the way Christians view theology and view God and view who he is. And a lot of it starts with Abraham. Mm-hmm. So one of the, the biggest differences that we can talk about a, a little bit is the difference of, of Calvinism and Arminianism. And so um, there's there's sort of two separate sides there. And if you were to sum it up, the, the Calvinist side believes essentially that that God chooses us, that he takes the first step towards us. The Arminian side would say that that we take the step towards towards God. Now, there's sort of five points of Calvinism that come off of five points of Arminianism. And I'll just kind of break them down quickly. You can help me out here if I miss anything, because um, you're aware of this. Um, so they both start at the same place. They both start at the place of total depravity, which mm-hmm. basically says that apart from God's grace, we cannot do anything on our own. What what the separation is, and I don't know, maybe we don't even need to go in the five points. We can. But, um, but what the, the separation is really is what happens after the point of total depravity. And so the Arminian side would say that God extends grace to all people, giving right. all people the freedom to choose him. And then they make that choice whether they choose him or not. Uh, the Calvinist side would say that God opens the eyes of certain people so that they can see him. And those who see him are the ones who are going to choose him. Because when you see God in his fullness, when he reveals himself to you, there really is no other way but to choose God. And so essentially that there's still free will on both sides, but the belief on the Calvinist side would say that you do whatever you most desire to do. And unless God removes the blinders from your heart, from your eyes, then what you most want to do is live in rebellion and sin. Right. And when God decides to call you like he did to Abraham, then he removes those blinders and you see him in his glory and you choose to follow him. Yeah. And I mean, I think the Bible is clear about God having his elect. Like, and I think I, don't, I won't get too personal, but I, I, for a, a bit of time, I had more of an Arminian view on, on this, this, this subject, but the more I've studied scripture and, um, have understood it, like I, I'm definitely more on the, the Calvinist side now where, you know, at the end of the day, we're, we're all sin ridden. We have a desire to commit sin. We don't have this innate desire to know God. If we're going to talk about origin, mm-hmm. like our origin, our, our being is we want to sin. Whereas, you know, I think the Bible is very clear that God's the one who steps in and he changes that desire. He changes our heart desire to not 
not want to go towards sin anymore. Although there are still moments of that, but our heart now wants him entirely. Yeah. And by the way, I mean, you don't have to be a five point Calvinist. Right. If there's certain like you don't have to be on one side or the other. Um, you know, I think that's one thing that we we don't want to do when we have these kind of theological conversations and talk about differences is to say, like, you have to line up with all these points or right. you're not with us or you're not a Christian, whatever. Like, no, both both these people believe that 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 God is deserves all the glory and honor and praise that we are sinful and broken apart from him, that we need Christ, um, that it's through faith that we receive God's grace. So, you know, all, all those things are in play. It's just a slightly different look at how we see it. And, and, you know, you, we would look at, well, Abraham's call, Noah's call, Moses, like all, you know, even the disciples, right. They're called by God or they're called by Christ to come to him. And, and so we just see God doing more of the work. And that's by the way, like at Christ community church, we, fall under the reformed tradition as a part of our denomination, the evangelical Presbyterian church, and even previously as the, as the reformed church of America. Um, and the reformed church certainly leans towards the Calvinist, Calvinist side, yeah. but this is a, a, a non-essential issue. Now our, our preachers are going to preach from the Calvinist perspective, but it's a, it's a non-essential issue. So if you're like, Oh, I'm, I'm, you know, and you, you want to explore, you can, you can explore different, you know, the different purposes and we're not again, going too deeply into it, but, um, but, there's 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 just separation and understanding of of what free will looks like what that actually means and what god's role is in in each of those spectrums yeah it's definitely not a salvation issue like no. you mentioned and i think there's even a danger if we become too radical on one side um there's a huge oh, yeah. danger in that because at the end of the day both belief systems calvinism and arminianism they still have the core foundational truths. Yeah. They're still Protestant Christians. Whereas uh, the moment you start talking about Mormonism or Jehovah's Witness, that is something entirely different. But Calvinism and Arminius are, th we're brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah, if you take, I think the, um, like the Apostles' Creed, in my opinion, is a really good sort of basic, like here's our core doctrine that we don't, we don't move on. Right. Um, here is where we have unity in the essentials. And this is, this is what we all hold to. And then there's some non-essentials. It doesn't mean it's not important, but things that we can have discussion about and we should have discussion about. Um, and we should look to, again, not just how we feel about it. That's, that's the mistake we make is like, oh, what I grew up learning. So I just, I put my own feelings in it. Right. But we should look into scripture and see what, is, what does God say? What, what does this really mean about us? And so again, with Abraham's story, it, it seems to me, that you see this idea of election that he has chosen, not on the basis of his works. Romans four would even tell us that it's not on the basis of his good works. He doesn't make that first step to God. The first step is God calling him, revealing himself to him. And so there is still a free will, but when God reveals, then your eyes are open to him and you, you choose to follow him. So let me just, I'll, I'll give the five points just because I feel like we've talked about them and I'll just quickly list them. So both sides agree on total depravity. Uh, the Calvinists would say there's, there's unconditional election where the Arminians would say it's, it's conditional election. Um, so that, that is that God, again, is going to choose. Um, it's not based on our work. Uh, but then the Arminian side is saying, you know, your faith is what, what essentially is, it's not a work, but that's what gets you in. Uh, and our faith, faith is needed. Then there's limited atonement versus unlimited atonement, which is essentially Christ died for those who would receive him. In other words, those who are the elect versus Christ died for all. And yet some are not going to choose him. Irresistible grace is the Calvinist side, which basically says when God reveals himself to you, 
you're not choosing anything else because you've seen God, you've seen his grace, and it, it's so beautiful, so wonderful, so amazing that, of course, you're going to accept it. There's no yeah. other option. Um, and then, of course, the Arminians, because they they believe that the choice is yours, you have resistible grace. And then for Calvinists, they believe in perseverance of the saints. Once saved, always saved. Mm -hmm. uh, you, If you have put your trust in Jesus Christ, if you receive that gift, then you are always saved. Where the Arminians say, hey, if you can choose to follow God at one point, then you can also choose to leave him at a different point. So you can fall out of grace. Um, Therefore lose that. your salvation. Yeah. So those, those are kind of the five points that, that separate. And again, four of them, I mean, four of them are different. One is the same on both sides. Yeah. And at the end of the day, like we don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, <laughs> we, we look at scripture, we do our best. We try and speak truth and, and we try and study it. Speaking of which there, so there's a couple other things that the Abraham story will tell us. Um, this one we're, we're definitely not going to get too much into, but there is a, another theological distinction that kind of starts at the moment of Abraham because we see the call to Abraham is to be a blessing to others. We see that his family line will produce Christ. We ultimately see that he will produce, uh, uh, Israel, and so the nation of Israel will come from his family line. Um, that's his, you know, his grandson is Jacob, whose name is changed to Israel, and then his great grandkids become the the tribes of Israel. So that's what happens. So th there's another view of of there's covenant theology versus dispensationalism, and essentially, and again, I'm going on very very basic here, but essentially a covenant view. Sees, sees two covenants, a covenant of works that was presented to Adam in the garden that says, if you don't eat from the tree, then you will live. Mm -hmm. And then a covenant of grace that extends basically to everyone beyond that, where God says that it is, it is my doing, my choosing, that I'm extending grace to you and you can receive this grace through faith um, and follow me because I've gifted that to you. So covenant theologians see see similarities and they see unity throughout all of scripture. So where Israel was the Old Testament, God's people, the New Testament is the church. And so covenant theology would see that as similar. Baptism is the sign of circumcision. Um, the, the Lord's Supper is the Passover meal. So this is, by the way, like in the EPC and the RCN Reformed tradition, again, this is covenant theology is what is is taught and what is believed within that, within the our tradition. Um, dispensational, dispensationalism, again, Orthodox Christians, both sides, but dispensationalism would see, uh, I believe they have seven dispensations. They have different time frames, So they see uniqueness in scripture in the way that God works at certain times with certain people. Mm -hmm. So, so there's again, another distinction that is talked about. And, you know, I heard something the other day that said, Hey, both sides are really needed in this conversation because oftentimes a dispensationalist, they come from a historical view first. So they kind of look at the time frame. They, they really know sort of the people, the names, the places, the times of, of scripture. They study the history very well. And, and then a covenant theologian starts from a place of theology. And you bring these two together, you get a, a good understanding of, of what scripture is. So you have that working into the Abraham story. And then, you know, it tells us a lot about who Christ is. And Genesis chapter 12 does it a little bit. But if we were to flip to Genesis chapter 15, I think there's a really beautiful picture of it. And I'm not going to read all of 15 because it's, uh, you know, it's a lot of verses. and, and we're Still not gonna, about the story of Abraham. But yes, absolutely. So what happens is essentially um, God comes to Abraham and he reminds him, he says, he says, I'm your shield, I'm your great reward. And Abraham says, I don't understand because you essentially you promised me an heir and I don't have one. So all everything that I own, everything that I am is going to uh, a distant relative. And God says, no, 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 you're going to have a son. I'm going to make this promise to you. And Abraham kind of 
wrestles with that a little bit and says, uh, I'm that doesn't, old. yeah, I'm, I'm old. That doesn't <laughs> seem possible. It doesn't make sense. And so what God does is he makes a covenant with Abraham that would have been very familiar to Old Testament readers and to the people at that time, where basically you, I mean, this is not my idea of making a promise with some, I like pinky promises. That sounds better. Um, <laughs> but like they would cut animals in half mm. and lay them out. And then you would essentially walk through uh, the blood of these animals with the animals on either side. And, and the idea behind it was that if you break this, this promise, this covenant, then, then, uh, or if I like, I've, as I'm walking through, I'm saying, if I break this covenant, then what will happen to me is what happened to these animals that like my blood will be shed in this promise. And so what happens with Abraham though, is, is that God has him, um, cut the animals and place them down and Abraham falls asleep and he sees a vision of, it's a, a, a torch, I believe that goes through or a smoking fire pot with a blazing torch and it passes through the pieces. Abraham never passes through the pieces. And so what God is doing is he's saying, I'm making my covenant. I'm doing the work. And if you are not faithful to my covenant, this is what will happen to me. My blood will be spilled mm. to restore you, to bring you back. And wow. so we see in Genesis 15, we see this picture of what's ultimately going to happen to Christ yeah. is that even though humanity, God's people, Israel, the church, are the ones who rebel and don't follow God's plan. And, and you look at, I mean, you know, you made a joke about Leviticus earlier. Like you look at Leviticus, that up. law was never followed, right? Like yeah. it was never followed perfectly. And so you see very quickly that God's people don't do what they're supposed to do. Well, God says, I'm the one who's going to pay the price and it's going to be paid in blood as it's supposed to be, but it's going to be paid through my blood. And mm -hmm. we see that on the cross with Jesus Christ, that we see that he paid the price in his blood. And so Again, when you look at Abraham, you just see so much significance that we need to read and understand in terms of how we understand our theology of who God is, of who we are, and certainly who Christ is. Um, all starts in, you know, it, it starts in the beginning, but like, but Genesis chapter 12 and beyond in Abraham's story really set up a lot of our understanding of, of all of scripture. Yeah, man, there, there's so much... Uh some richness in a lot of these stories that we see in the beginning that really allude to Christ. Mm -hmm. This is one of those stories where Genesis 15, I've read it before, but I've, I, I never put the pieces together that it's, it's really referring to, you know, God is ultimately going to be the one who, whose blood is going to be shed. Um, and it's heartbreaking, mm -hmm. but it's also, uh, necessary because, Ultimately, you know, God's pointing to the fact that, no, it's only through and by my son that you can live. Um, it's not you, Abraham. You walking through these this dead animal that's split, you can't save everyone. Only I can. Um, so what, what an incredible story. Yeah. I mean, there's literally nothing like that is the cost that we should have to pay. We should have had to walk through that and we should have had to pay it because we cannot be faithful. But right. God didn't even have Abraham go through because he knew that Abraham and his people would not be faithful to the promise. And so God says, I will pay this price for you. Mm. Um, yeah, man, we could be here forever talking about a lot of this stuff. And I, I, I feel like just listening you, to you right now, anyone who's listening, like <laughs> you can become, get your masters right away just by <laughs> listening to this podcast. <laughs> 
Not sure about that one. But, um, <laughs> yeah, but, probably not. But I will say, if you want more on the theology side, you want more like Calvinism, Arminianism, uh, covenant theology, dispensational stuff, like you want more conversations, like send me an email, ryan at cccnow.com, and let us know. Maybe we'll do bonus podcasts yeah. where we kind of break this down, and I'll bring in people much smarter than I am to have this conversation. But, Definitely um, much smarter than me. But no, you you could probably handle yourself. But, uh, but anyways, but... Um, you know, if you want that, you know, we're trying to kind of dive into the, the sermon. This, this all fits into it. Yeah. And it's all stuff that was like, ooh, can I, can I include that? Can I not include that? Um, but man, I mean, yeah, I could go on and on about things that were left out of the sermon about Abraham. But let's talk a little bit more about it. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Adam and Eve. Uh, and talk a little bit about how the story of Abraham how it's similar to, or not, well, similar and also different from the story of Adam and Eve. I think it goes back to what we were talking about earlier with the covenant of works. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, I mean, so Adam and Eve failed in terms of, hey, here's here's what you're supposed to do. Go and do this. And and really, again, you, you see that the main issue was they begin to question God. That was the first question that the serpent asked. Did God really say? Did he really say that, that if, you, if you touch this, you will die? And... And they begin to question God's goodness, his faithfulness, his character. Abraham, it says, you know, in a similar language to the creation or to the creation story that God said, and it was done. It goes back to that same idea of Noah that we talked about. And so God told Abraham to go and he went like that's that's what we see is that God says in verse one, go. And then in verse four, it says Abraham or Abram, Abram went. And, and so we see that language that he stepped out in faith. And then Hebrews 11, again, points back to that, that even though he couldn't see the finish line, even though he didn't know where he was going, even though this was going to be challenging, he still was willing to take that step of faith and took that step. Um, and so it's, it's the, it's the idea, do we take God at his word yeah. and do what he has called us to do? Or do we trust our own thoughts, our own desires, the ways of this world instead? And Abram, uh, one thing that we certainly can lift up and can acknowledge that we should live into is that he took God at his word. Yeah, that's always something I, I wrestle with as well. Like, how was this done? Like, do you think God, I don't know if scripture explicitly says, but do you think God like verbally, audibly spoke to Abram and said, hey, go? Because um, I, I think for many of us Christians, like, I'm sure there are some out there that may at one point have heard the audible voice of God. Sure. I've heard that uh, from Christians before, but most of the time it's not. Like most of the time it's the spirit of God really just kind of tugging our heart and, and moving us. So I don't know. It's not that big of a deal, but it, yeah, I think it's different now. New Testament with the spirit dwelling in us that the, we should trust that the spirit's going to lead us more with the internal voice than an external voice. Uh, where in Old Testament, it certainly seems like there was more external voice that was going on there. There's definitely moments of that mm -hmm. for sure, where um, either in dreams, God speaking to individuals or actually the external voice um, or through animals. Yeah, that, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Donkeys talking, all sorts of things. We yeah. see that as well. Um, let's talk a little bit about Abram was called to go to a unknown place. He left his comfortability. Mm -hmm. He left a, uh, uh, a civilization that was advanced. Mm -hmm. Like you were mentioning, they had some hot water. They had, they had, they were advanced and God said, Hey, Abram, I'm taking you and you need to start heading this way. Um, how do we know if God is calling us to something new? 
Yeah, I think when we talk about God's call, we have to look at it in really two different ways. We see a general call that exists really to all Christians, and then we can see a, a more specific or individual call. And so first and foremost, we need to prioritize the, the general call, right. that, that we are all called to love God with our hearts, mind, soul, and strength. We're all called to love our neighbors ourselves. We are called to go and make disciples. Like that's a call that exists for every single Christian. Like if you're putting your trust in Christ, you have a general call to, to love him, to be obedient to him, and to love others the way that he did uh, and the way he has called us to. So to, to share the gospel news, like we are, we're all called to do that. That's like, that has to be a part of our daily living is to take seriously the great command, the great commission. Like we have to take those things seriously. Now, individually, I think the, the first question is, does, does it line up with scripture, right? Is your call actually lined up with scripture? Because I heard someone once that um, this was a pastor who happens to have some celebrities in his church. He said, people come up and be like, hey, I feel called to uh, pastor celebrities. And it's like, do you or do you just want fame and money, right? Like, like, is your call about you? And so you have to discern some of that. Um, so I, I feel like that's my call. That, yeah, I know. <laughs> my call is to win the lottery. So I guess I should go. I don't know, whatever. Like, like it's, it, you know, there are certain things where it's like, OK, let's take scripture. And you actually talked about this on Sunday. Like the, the love of money is, is the root of all evil. And so, you know, if, if your call is like, hey, my call is to get rich. Right. So that I can enjoy my money probably not your call, right? That's like, that's not biblical. But if, if you're saying, Hey, you know, I feel called to a certain job. I feel called to a certain place. I think you spend time in prayer. You spend time listening. I would seek godly counsel. Um, you know, the, the, the counsel and opinion of, of some other people, brothers and sisters that you trust, uh, to kind of affirm that. And, and, and I think you just, you have to be discerning. So if, you know, and th there are times where it's like, Hey, there are two good options. Both are biblically sound and we're trying to figure out which one we're called to. Sometimes God is just like, pick one and pick. go, right? Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter as long as you're being faithful to me, again, pursuing the general call, that's more significant. We oftentimes try and look for that individual call, that specific call. And, and I think we'll feel it at times, but it's like, follow the general call and you should be okay. Yeah. Um, but I, again, I think if you, if you feel that, if it lines up with scripture and maybe you have some, some external affirmation to that call, it's probably, probably a sign that, that that's what God is calling you to. Yeah, I like how you mentioned a general call and uh, a specific call. I think oftentimes as Christians, we focus more on the specific call um, and we forget about the general call. And if anything, the Apostle Paul, Christ himself, are constantly saying focus on the general call. That is the most important thing. The gifts, everything else, the Apostle Paul loves talking about the gifts. Mm -hmm. First Corinthians 12 and 14, if anyone's curious. Um, but at the end of the day, he's just saying, hey, the primary focus is to make Christ known and to love others. Yeah, absolutely. And we, yeah, we, we sometimes we get that wrong because we, we want to, ultimately what we do is we make it about ourselves. Right. And so we think, oh, well, I'm called to do this thing that benefits me in some way. And it's like, no, follow the, follow the general call that God has for your life. And, and if the specific lines up with it, then great. But yeah, I wonder what Lot was thinking, because it says in this story that Abram like brought Lot with him. And I'm curious, it, just what, I, some of these things I'm like, I'm curious what these people are thinking. Well, this, this is a good, I mean, this is a good maybe place to kind of wrap things up yeah. is that, you know, Abraham is ultimately blessed to be a blessing, right? We use some of that language that his election, his call is not just meant for him individually, but it's meant to extend through him 
um, to others as well. And so Abram leads his family. Like, again, it's kind of what we see with Noah. Like, the call was to Abraham and Sarah and Lot and, you know, well, he didn't have children at the time, but like, but his, his household, like part of his household come with him into essentially the promised land. They come with him into these promises. And so he is, he is blessed by God, but he's blessed to be a blessing to others. And we shouldn't look, you know, our culture is so individualistic. And so we have a hard time with this idea of like blessing others, but like I'm a, I'm a dad. And so I'm called to be a blessing to my kids, to lead my kids, to tell them who Christ is. And right now, like my kids believe in God, believe that Jesus is the son of God, believe that he is a savior because I've told them that this is truth. And, and they don't question me on a lot of, like they may ask questions like, Hey, what does this mean? How do we understand this? Um, but they believe it because dad said it's true. And, And so ultimately like their faith is going to be individual. They have their own relationship with God that they have to work out on their own. But like they get this blessing because I take that responsibility seriously of being blessing to others. Mm-hmm. And we do that with our families, but we need to do that with our neighborhoods, our places of work, everything else. So like, yeah, lot comes along for the ride right. and receives some blessing throughout the story of scripture that really is because Abraham was chosen by God to be a blessing to others. And Abraham took that call seriously and others benefit from that when we respond to the call that God has for us. Yeah. I think that's a great place to close on. Uh, Be a blessing to those around you. Um, uh, I've been uh, just grateful for this series. It's been a a huge blessing for me individually. I know for a lot of high school students and I I, I believe our congregation as well has been extremely blessed. I'm excited and looking forward to next week's series. We're we're jumping into the passion series and uh, I'm excited about that. So Yeah, let me just say next week we start the Passion Week. We're only covering four stories in the Passion Week because that's all we have time for. Well, and then ultimately Easter Sunday, we'll talk about the resurrection, obviously. Uh, But the Passion Week is the final week of Jesus' life, his time leading up to the cross. And I think what you see is you see a mindset shift in Jesus where he realizes my time is limited. I need to get serious about proclaiming the kingdom of God. I need to get serious about, not that he wasn't before, right? But like, but I need to like, make sure they understand who I am, what the kingdom of God is all about, how they're supposed to live as disciples in the kingdom of God, as citizens in the kingdom of heaven. And so you see Jesus start to really focus everything on, here's the truth. I'm not playing any games anymore. I'm making this abundantly clear because you only have me here uh, for a little bit longer before I get to go back and be with the Father. So um, I think we see some really powerful and important truths in the final week of Jesus' life. Yeah, I'm getting excited about it. I hope you guys are as well. So join us this Sunday as we start that new series, and we will see you guys next time. Bye.